Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Jeff R. Steele. Dr. Steele is the senior pastor of Redeeming Grace Church of Coleman, Alabama. He's a conference speaker, owner of the Christian music group The Steels, and an award-winning singer and songwriter. Now, here's Dr. Steele. Now, I want to ask a series of questions here. First of all, who is it that gets weary? Who is it that gets tired? Now, I would love to stand up here before you today and tell you that saved people get tired. Oh, we get tired in the work. We're out here sharing the gospel. We're giving to the work of the Lord. We're raising our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I'd love to stand up here and tell you, be true to the context, that saved people get tired. But listen, folks, the truth is everybody gets tired. Everybody gets tired. This past Tuesday, I had some things to do around here. I had to go to Nashville Tuesday night and receive that uh, award at the Christian Music Awards. It was Gospel Music Week in Nashville, the Dove Awards, the BMI Christian Music Awards. All the Christian music people had their different awards ceremonies. And I, I even said it on Facebook, I don't normally frequent those things, but this year I knew I was getting one, so I thought I'd go. And about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, we left and went up there and sat there and enjoyed an evening fellowshipping with a lot of old friends. If you look on my Facebook page right now, my new profile picture is a picture of me and Toby Mack hanging out together up there. And a lot of people don't know Toby is a Liberty University grad from back in the 80s. And I'll never forget, I was sitting talking with my friend, the late Jerry Falwell one day, and he told me, he said, Jeff, he said, Billy Graham called me last week. I said, what for, Jerry? He said he wanted to know how to get in touch with Toby Mack. I said, Billy, why do you want to get in touch with Toby? And Billy Graham said, well, Jerry, I can't understand a thing he says, but these kids listen to him. But anyway, we went through all of that, got out of there, and then everybody else went to the Steak and Shake or home there in Nashville or back to the hotel. We turned the vehicle back toward the free state of Coleman and came home. Well, we got to about the 26-mile marker coming back in Tennessee. I looked at Sherry and I said, honey, you're going to have to talk to me or we're going to end up on the side of this road because I am tired. Everybody gets tired. And I was exhausted after a drive up there, a full day here, a drive up there, the ceremony itself, which was enough to take it out of anybody, and then the drive back. By about 1.30 when we got in, I was tired. I don't care who you are, you get tired. Saved people get tired. Lost people get tired. Everybody gets tired. God would have never asked you to do something that was impossible. It's impossible if God had just said, don't ever get tired. That's impossible. So what he said was not don't get tired. He said, don't get tired of doing the right things. If you're a believer in Jesus, don't get tired of giving. Don't get tired of coming. Don't get tired of praying. Don't get tired of doing the right things. So who gets tired? Everybody gets tired. But God didn't say don't get tired. He said don't get tired of doing the right things. Well then, let me ask you, why do we get tired of doing the right things? Why in the world do we get tired of doing the right things? We get tired of doing the right things because number one, we're human. We're just human. We pray and we're trained in the culture in which we live. If we don't get an answer just like that, it didn't work. So we give up and we quit. Not only are we human, but folks, we've got an enemy. 
The Bible says in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the thief, the devil, Satan, whoever you want to call him, whatever name you want to give him, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. You're not only praying as a human and then something doesn't happen immediately so you want to give up. Now you add to that the fact that the devil comes around and he says, see there, it doesn't work. There is no God. You're wasting your time. Stop praying. You're giving to the work of the Lord, and you're not seeing any resulting differences happening in your life. You're not seeing any changes made in your life. Then the devil comes along and says, you're wasting your time, and you're wasting your money. You could spend that money on something better for your own family, on your own home. You're human, and you have an enemy. That's why we get weary. And that's why so many people want to give up and quit. Okay, so who wants to quit? Everybody wants to quit sometimes. We're human. We have an enemy. Why do we want to quit? That's why. We're human. We have an enemy. Well, what do we do to keep from quitting? I mean, Paul said it, don't get tired of doing the right things. How do we, how do, we do that? We'll blitz through these real quick. When you are ready, and some in this room are ready today, I've been ready in more recent days than I want to talk about. We all get there. If you're ready to raise the white flag of surrender today, if you're ready to throw in the towel, if you're ready to give up and quit, maybe you're ready to walk out the back door of this church and never come back again. Now, you could never tell it by the size of the choir this morning, but there are people who from time to time uh, get tired of singing in the choir, want to quit singing in the choir. People want to quit coming to Sunday school. People want to quit doing whatever job they have to do in the house of the Lord. Listen, if you are ready to do that. You're ready to quit today. Here's four things I want you to remember that'll help you to, keep, to, to stop from quitting. Number one, when you get ready to quit, remember the cross. Remember the cross. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39, but in verse 36, Jesus said to his disciples, you stay here. He said, I'm going to go beyond it. I'm going to pray alone for a little while. And the Bible says in verse 39, he went a little further and there he began to pray. And you know what he prayed? There in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus Christ prayed and he said, Father, if it would be your will, let this cup that I'm about to face of suffering, let this cup pass from me. Let it go on, be somebody else's job. Don't let it be my job. Let me off the hook. He said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cross that's in front of me not be in front of me. Folks, do you get it? That's how close. One man's plea to his father. That's how close we came to never having a plan of salvation. That's how close we came to never being able to have our sins forgiven. That's how close we came to never being able to go to heaven when we die. That's how close we came. Jesus said those words, Father, if it be your will, don't make me go to the cross. But listen, his next words sealed the deal. He said, nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Those were the words upon which all of our eternities turned. When Jesus said, I don't want to do it, 
But if it's the only way and if it is your will, I will go. When you get ready to quit, you remember when his sweat drops turned to blood. You remember when the one who provided your access to heaven had an opportunity to quit and he didn't quit. He went all the way for you. He went all the way for me. The Bible even says he went a little further. He came to the end of the rope and he kept going. When you get ready to quit, when you get ready to surrender and give up, folks, listen, that's the time when we need to remember the cross. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Number two. What is it that'll keep us from quitting? What is it that'll keep us from getting weary in well-doing? What is it that'll keep us from getting tired of doing the right things? Remember the cross, number two. Remain faithful to God. Remain faithful to do what you have been doing. Now, I know what the temptation is. The temptation is when you've been doing something, and it doesn't look like it's working, the temptation is to take everything that's in the car with you or everything that's on the boat with you and start chunking it out the windows. Throw away what you've been doing, load up with something else and do something else. Folks, listen, if there's anything I could tell these young people today, because no matter what you look like, guys, you're going to get married. It's going to happen. I don't care how, how ugly guys you may be, you're going to get married someday. It's going to happen. And when you get ready to get married, you guys especially, and you girls really don't have any, any tough times here at all. Y'all going to be fine. Except when you get ready to get married, I know what these young people think about. Does she look good? Now, in my case, it was does she cook good? That's really one of my <laughs> big deals. But they all want to know, is she good looking? Guys, let me just tell you something. I was looking through the newspaper in McGee, Mississippi one time where I used to pastor way back in the old days. And they had a picture of a couple in there that was celebrating their 77th wedding anniversary. I never seen anything like this picture. The man, his head looked like a dill pickle. I mean, he was that old. <laughs> and out of respect for his wife, I won't tell you what she looked like, but it, it was not good. 77 years they'd been married. I cut that picture out of the newspaper. And when I did premarital counseling for a long time, I'd ask these young guys when they'd come in, I'd say, why do you want to marry this girl? And they'd all say the same thing. What are you kidding? Look at her. She's gorgeous. I'd ask the girls, I'd say, why do you want to marry that guy? She'd say, are you crazy? Look at his muscles. Look at that curly hair. He's, he's gorgeous. I'd take that picture out of that newspaper, that deal pickle-headed man. And I'd push it across the desk and I'd say, then you better find another reason because this is what it's coming to someday right here. <laughs> this is where it's headed right here. Now, my point there is you better find somebody, guys and girls, you better find somebody that's going to stay faithful to the stuff they started with. Because after you've been married 25 or almost 30 years, you want somebody that's going to be bringing the same stuff to the table every night that they were bringing 30 years before that. Folks, listen, 
when you're the most tempted to quit, that's the greatest time to redouble your efforts to say, oh, no, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to stay with what brought me to this dance. The financial planners call it dollar cost averaging. Now, if you've never heard that phrase, let me educate you real quick. Dollar cost averaging means you set aside a certain amount. It's, it's about setting aside a certain amount of money every month to contribute to, say, the stock market. Well, when the stock market goes up, you can't buy as much because the, stock, the stocks cost more. But when the stock market goes down, you can buy up a whole lot of it with that same amount of money because now the price is down and you can buy more. And over the course of time, you'll be able to buy more than you thought you could be able to buy by what we call dollar cost averaging. It's the same way in your walk with God. There are going to be good days here at the church. There are going to be bad days here at the church. There's going to be days when you want to shout for joy. There are going to be days when you're going to want to get in the altar and bury your head and cry bitter tears. But the dollar cost averaging will pay out in the end. When you're ready to quit, that's the time you need to remain faithful to what you have been doing. People do it, though. Over and over they do it. Times get tough, and they start to check out on the work of God. First, you'll see them disappear from Sunday school. Then you'll see them disappear from Sunday night. Then you'll see them disappear from Wednesday night. Then they'll start dropping out of all the things they're involved in. Folks, that's the worst time to drop out. That's the time you need to redouble your efforts to stay with what brought you here. Remember the cross. Remain faithful to what you have been doing. Number three, recall past victories or miracles. Because that's the gas that helps you to keep the car moving in the future. When the children of Israel crossed over the Jordan River, it was a miracle. It was a miracle that an entire nation of people crossed over the Jordan River. And when they got to the other side, God said, oh, listen, to the leaders of all 12 tribes, he said, get a stone and build a monument. Somebody must have said, why? Because God went on to say, because someday your children and your children's children are going to pass by this place, they will see that monument and they will ask you about it. Why is that monument there? And you will be able to tell them because this is the place where God worked the miracle of getting us across the Jordan River. We need those kind of monuments in our minds. We need those kind of monuments to call to our remembrance the days when God did it before. The reason we're facing mountains today that we don't think God's going to be able to get us through, the reason we're facing those mountains is because we choose not to remember what God did for us just last week or last month or last year. And God, quite frankly, has got to get tired of it after a while. We keep coming to the same old mountains. We keep offering up the same old prayers and offering up the same old unbelief. And God must want to scream over the bowels of heaven and say, remember the monument that you should have built when I did it for you last time. So if you're ready to quit, you need to just sit and ponder for a while. I'm not for looking back just for the sake of looking back. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away and all things have become new. I get that. I get that we ought not sit around and dwell over our past sins and our past sorrows and our past shortcomings and all of our failures and all of that. I get that, and we shouldn't dwell on that. But folks, listen, there is a place and there is a time where every believer ought to sit down and set aside some time to look back and say, oh, my God, do you remember what he did then? 
Do you remember what he did when we thought mama was going to pass away? Do you remember what he did when we thought our finances were completely depleted and we weren't going to be able to make it through? Do you remember, do you remember, do you remember? And as you remember, your faith will grow and your desire to quit will fade in the light of God's ability in the past as an indicator of what he's going to do in the future. Remember the cross. Remain faithful to what you have been doing. Recall the past miracles and victories. And then if you're really ready to quit, I mean, if you're ready to throw in the towel, raise the white flag of surrender and just give up, if you're really ready to quit, there's never, never, never a greater time than right then to rededicate yourself to God. There's never a greater time than when you want to quit to stomp your foot in the middle of the floor and say, devil, I said I was going all the way and I'm going all the way. There's never a greater time to look in the mirror and say, self, I said I was going all the way and I'm going all the way. There's never a greater time to look into the face of the Almighty and say, God, I said I was going all the way and I'm going all the way. If you're thinking about quitting, there's never a better time than that to say, oh no, oh no. I knew there were going to be some tough days between where I started and where I'm going to finish. I knew there were going to be some tough times between there and there. But I made provision for that when I started, and I said I was going all the way, and I'm going all the way. Now, here's the problem, and I'm through. Here's the problem. There's too many people in our churches today that keep coming down here to rededicate their lives, and they don't have any idea at all that they're lost. You cannot be saved. Now listen, salvation is not a hard thing. Jesus paid the price. It's all behind us. He's done all the work necessary for you to be saved. But listen, you cannot be saved until you know that you're lost. And I have come to tell you today, as much as I love you, as much as I appreciate your contribution to my life and this church and the life of my family, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, if you've never confessed your sin to God, if you've never confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you've never believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are lost. Preacher, I'm nice. How did I get lost? Because you were born lost. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. How many people are born into this world needing to be saved? All of them. All of us. And if you've never asked him into your heart, he's not there. And the problem in your life is you have come over and over and over to rededicate something, your life, that has never been dedicated to start with. You may be here today and you've heard the messages about rededication and you've come over and over and over and you know before you can even get out to your car after the service is over, nothing happened. You're just as empty when you leave as you were when you came and that's because you keep trying to rededicate something that has never first been dedicated. There's my question to you today. Before you come and waste your time in an altar praying a prayer of rededication, have you ever truly been saved? Have you ever asked Jesus to come into your heart 
and to be your Savior. If you've never asked him, he's not there. You say, how can I know I have Jesus in my heart? I can tell you how you know he's not there. If you've never asked him, he's not there. It's as easy as asking him, but until and unless you've done that, he is not there. Oh, listen, if you're tempted to quit today, to give up, to lay down, just to walk away from it all, I get that. I've been there. What a great time to say to God, I'm still here. I'm holding on. I'm going through. And then turn around, spit in the devil's face and tell him you're going through. Be good for him to hear it every once in a while. But please don't make the mistake today of trying to rededicate something that's never been dedicated to start with. This would be the day that when you should come and say, preacher, I've never asked him. I'm a good guy, but I'm not saved. I'm going to be honest and tell you today, Jeff, I'm just, I'm not saved. If I were to die today, I can't say with a certainty that I'm going to heaven. This is the day you need to be dedicated. You need to be saved. You don't need to be rededicated. You can't rededicate what's never been dedicated. What does it take? Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 says, If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. At that moment, not a series of things you have to work through, not an amount of times you have to run around the building, none of those things. But if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be at that moment saved. Feel like quitting today? Feel like giving up, dear Christian friend? Been there, done that. Got a shirt, got a hat. I know what that's all about. Today, this would be an excellent opportunity for you to think back on the cross and remember the sacrifice of Jesus who went a little further so you'd have a chance to be saved. Remain faithful. Redouble your efforts to continue to do what you have been doing. Recall those past miracles and victories as a testament to what God can do tomorrow. And rededicate yourself to God. This is a call for Christians who feel like giving up. And there's nothing wrong with that. It happens. You're human and there's a devil that wants you to quit. As much as God wants you to not get tired of doing good, the devil wants you to lay down the fight right now. You come today. And rededicate your life and say to God, oh God, I said I was going and I'm going. Give me the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm ready to go. But if you've never been saved today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and if you've never asked him to come into your heart, he is not there. Let this be the day when you become a child of God. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. If you'd like to contact Dr. Steele, you can go to his website at jeffrsteele.com. If you'd be interested in Dr. Steele coming to speak or having the Steeles minister at your next event, there's a booking inquiry form there. You may also call the office at 256-590-2068.